All right, if you have the Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. It's good to be in Valdosta. Amen. It's good to be here. Chuck and Cynthia was down in St. Augustine this morning, checking out um, the church uh, in another location, and we had a good time. Amen, didn't we, this morning? Praise the Lord. And um, God's good, man. We're excited about what God's doing in this city because, you understand, um, we started in St. Augustine just like we're starting here. Amen. And it grew, and it's going to grow here. Hallelujah. In fact, I'm so confident that we put out another row of chairs tonight. That's how confident I am that the Holy Ghost is moving in our, in our city, in our town, and He wants to ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world right here from this place. And so we're excited about that. Amen. And um, I'm going to be staying over next weekend. Um, when we come and minister Sunday night, my wife should be with me tomorrow, uh, next Sunday. I'm excited. She's doing her test. Uh, at our, we have, we do a Kingdom Institute down in St. Augustine on Sunday nights, and she's been teaching. Uh, this is the sixth week, and she's doing a test tonight. So after tonight's test, she'll be able to start coming with me, and we're going to spend the night and stay in town and come into the office Monday and start looking at the calendar and start looking at leadership and start uh, planning things out. And then we're going to start next Sunday, not not the next Sunday, but the following Sunday, we'll start casting vision on, on uh, starting to meet with our leadership once a month and praise and worship practice and, and, and getting things together with our children and praying about our, our youth ministry, you know, because I've been bringing uh, my daughter and um, um, uh, Peanut, we call her Peanut, okay, um, because Peanut was allergic to peanuts. Um, and so, but she plays this card game called Peanut. And so we thought that was kind of funny when we took her on a mission trip to Nicaragua. Uh, she was playing a game that she's supposed to be allergic to. Uh, but she's not had any uh, allergic reaction to peanut, uh, peanuts. She's been standing with God. In fact, just a few weeks ago, uh, she ha- had gotten something, and it started to show symptoms. And her mom, hallelujah, spoke over her, and immediately it quit, turned, changed, and she was healed. She didn't have to take no shot. You know, because some people that's got allergic reaction to peanuts, they've got to take them shots, man, in their legs. This, there was a girl in our youth ministry when I was in Sand Springs that was... She, it never happened with us, um, but, you know, that's a bad deal when they start, you know, um, uh, having a reaction there. So we call her Peanut, and she's been coming down. In fact, she's working with our kids tonight here. Amen? All right. We've got your Bibles turned to Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Last week, we started talking about matters of the heart. Amen? And, and, and I know the Holy Ghost has something for this city as he has something for St. Augustine. So most of the time, I will not minister the same message that I minister there here. But when I started, when the Holy Ghost started talking to me about the heart, he says, you need to minister that in both locations because really it's a foundational truth. Because it doesn't matter how much I talk to you about faith. It doesn't matter how much we talk to you when I say I or we because Pastor Brian's doing our Bible study on Wednesday nights, okay? Uh, it doesn't matter how much he's ministering to you about your identity in Christ. It doesn't matter how much we talk about how God wants to bless you or, or how he's healed your body or the covenant privileges are, that are those who are citizens in his kingdom. That matters nothing if your heart's not right. Okay? And so we've got to deal with this heart because if we get our heart right, well, then everything else of God opens up because God looks at the heart. Amen. Because you can say things about God all day long, but if your heart's not attached, it doesn't matter. Okay? Even the devil knows Scripture, but it doesn't work for him. <laughs> Amen? Because his heart's not right. Amen? Can he quote Scripture? Sure, just read Matthew chapter 4. When he was in the wilderness with Jesus tempting him, he started quoting Scripture. But he's trying to get it out of context because he wanted Jesus to, to operate selfishly, and Jesus had to rebuke him with the Word. Amen? But he knows Scripture. Okay? And just because we know Scripture doesn't mean we're walking in that. Okay, so we saw this scripture last week. It said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So who will see God? The pure in heart. Pure meaning clean, cleansed. Not defiled or unclean, but clean. Amen. So blessed are the pure in heart, for the pure in heart shall see God. Don't we want to see God? Amen. We want to see Him. Now, we will physically see Him one day. I mean, with our own eyes, we will see Him. And when we are absent from our body, we be present with the Lord. We will see the Lord. We will see Him one day. We will gaze upon His face. But I want you to know we can see Him now. We can see Him because He, he is the manifest presence of the Word. Because in the beginning was the Word, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word became the 14th verse of the first chapter of John. 
So I submit to you this, Jesus has been more the Word than He was Jesus. Because Jesus is the name He was given when He came to earth. Amen. So in the beginning, the Word was there. And the Word is the Son of God. So when we act on the Word and the Word works, then guess what you just saw? You saw God work. You saw God. And the Word works for the pure in heart. Because if your heart's right, and we know this in the realm of talking faith, it says this, that if we speak to the mountain, if we believe in and do not doubt in our heart what we say, but believe, we shall have whatever we say. Now, what we're saying is not what we're saying, but we're saying what he's saying. Because if you're saying what he's saying, then you're getting what he's wanting. This is not personal. This is about him and his will and his agenda. Did Jesus get everything daddy wanted him to have? Yes. Jesus said, I speak nothing on my own initiative, but only what the Father tells me. So Jesus was always, because he was pure of heart, correct? He was, he was always responding to the will of his dad. And as a result of that, whatever dad needed or wanted, it, he had. Whatever he asked. Remember when he went to the tomb with Lazarus, was dead for four days? Remember, and everybody was all in an uproar and saying, if you'd only been here, he'd have been healed. Why? Because he's the healer. What, did he heal people? Sure he did. And so what did Jesus say? Jesus, you know, said, Father, I thank you that you hear me when I pray. See, it was already settled with him concerning Lazarus. It don't matter he's in the grave because, remember, uh, uh, Martha says, Oh, Lord, I know that he'll come back in the resurrection. And what did he say? I am the resurrection. <laughs> Meaning all i got to do is speak to this tomb and he'll come out. And he did. Amen. This is powerful. And what we have to do is we have to keep growing ourselves to understand that there is more to believe in God than just salvation. Amen? The Lord did not leave His Word just to get us born again. He left His Word to deliver us out of all our troubles. If we'll get the Word of the King on the matter, because Ecclesiastes 8, 4 says where the Word of the King is, there is power. Amen? Hallelujah. And is Jesus King. Is he king? Isaiah 9, 6 says, The child shall be born to us, a government or, or a son will be given us, and the government shall rest on his shoulders. Turn over there and let's look at this again before we get, in, get into this heart issue. Jesus is a king, and he represents the government of God. In fact, all he preached, go ahead and do that this weekend, you know, this week. Go and read the four Gospels again and see what Jesus said. Jesus said, for the kingdom of heaven is like this, and the kingdom of God is like this, and the kingdom of heaven is like this. He talked about the kingdom all the time. All the time. Okay? And so Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, look what it says. It says, a child shall be given to us, right? A son will be born to us. And we shall call him. And the government shall rest on his what? Shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7. There will be no end, say no end, to the increase of his what? Not religion. His government or peace on the throne. That's what kings sit on. Is the Father sitting on the throne now? Is Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father? Is there going to be some judgments coming later on in life? Amen. There's going to be a great white throne judgment. All who have been born again will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. Why? Because it's, you're going to be judged based upon what He said to you and did you obey Him. Amen. Now, how do we get into this place or how do we access this which Jesus brought? Because you understand, who did wise men come to see? Amen. See, this is a... a, a, a uh, uh, an angle that a lot of people haven't looked at, but it's right here through the whole Bible. You write this down, Genesis 12, when God made covenant with Abraham, He said, I'll make you a great nation, not a religion. Adam was in the garden, right? And the Lord told us, when He made man, Genesis 1.26, we can write this one down, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let him have what? Dominion or rule over what? The fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Man was to have dominion. He was to rule and reign in this realm while God's in his realm. And he heard God from his realm. Because when he breathed, when he formed man out of the dust of the earth, because that earth suit is what gives you right to the earth. 
And He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. The Holy Spirit came and lived inside Him and was the communicator between God's realm and this realm. This is how we hear God today. Remember Jesus did to His disciples in John. What verse is that John chapter? Is it 21, 22? Find that for me, Pastor Brian, where it said He, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Same thing that God did in the beginning, Jesus does here with His disciples. He breathes on them and to receive the Holy Ghost. And anything Jesus said, did it happen? Is there anything Jesus said that did not? This is very important for us to look at these things. Because what we do is we don't want to view the Bible based upon what we think. We want to base upon the Bible how it says. John 20, 22, you can write that down. You'll see Jesus said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. He breathed in them. Same thing that God the Father did in Genesis chapter 2, I think in verse 7. You can verify that for me, Pastor Brown. So here we go. He breathed on him. The Spirit of God comes and lives inside man. But what happened? God placed man in the garden and says, You can eat of any tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you cannot eat. For the day you eat it, you will surely... What will happen? And I've said this so many times now, but we keep saying it because it stirs us up, is this, if Adam had never eaten the fruit, where would he be at today? Now that's very powerful. Because when Adam was on the planet, he wasn't trying to get to heaven. He already had fellowship with God on planet Earth. And he was perfect. He was God's son. He was not the Word, Jesus. He was not God in the flesh. But his spirit, man, was of the image of God. It was of the substance of God. And he was the son of God. If you read the genealogies, it says that. And, and Adam, you know, the son of God. So there's the first Adam. He falls from dominion or his rule in the kingdom on planet Earth. And Jesus is the last Adam. And he restores this authority. Because listen, Jesus said this. He says, I give you authority. Amen. Now, if you don't want to exercise your authority, that's on you. But it's not that it's not available for you to exercise. Amen. He says, I give you authority. Right? He said, all authority has been given to me. In heaven and earth and under the earth. <laughs> he has it everywhere. Why? Because he has it by right, he, by creation. He created the heavens and the earth. He owns this planet, not the devil. The devil just has dominion in it. But even now, his dominion is only to those who are ignorant because Jesus, Colossians 2.15, says he, 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 he whipped principalities and powers. He made an open spectacle of them. He stripped him of his power. So if we would become a child of God, that doesn't mean he won't attack you. See, and this is what people have problems, is that when the enemy comes, they think, oh, well, he... Well, if I, if, I, if I can overcome him, then why is he bothering? Well, anybody will pick on you, but if you're still stronger, you're stronger. I mean, one of these little kids that are, came out here and started, you know, Lexi come flying out here, you know, wrestling with me. Now, you know, I can deal with her. You know, but I could run around scared. Ah, ah. But I have, there's something in me greater than her. You understand? I would have power over her. But see, a lot of people don't understand the power they're in because they don't understand what they've walked into when they got born again. Most of them just walked into being born again so that they can get to heaven. Okay? Instead of what God's given them right here on the earth. And I tell you, if you'll stay hooked up with us, I will prove to you without a shadow of doubt in the Word, you will just have to reject the truth to not walk in this. I can show you line upon line, Scripture upon Scripture, that you can rule and reign in this life and overcome the devil, because the Bible tells us in James 4, submit to God, resist the devil, and he must. Look how God, Acts 9, uh, 10, 38, uh, so look how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. The devil never could stand against him, and then he told us that we could do the same works that he did, even greater works than these. Well, how can you do something greater than Jesus? Well, you're not going to do a greater work we do greater in quantity because if you act like Jesus and you act like Jesus and you walk in His authority and you walk in His authority and you walk in His authority and you walk in His authority, that means we can walk in our, His authority on multiple places on the planet. But while Jesus was walking, He was the only one carrying that authority other than who He delegated to. But now we all can have the Spirit of truth on the inside of us. That is the Holy Ghost because Jesus told us in John starting in verse chapter 13 all the way to 17, He said, it's more expedient that I go as to your advantage that I leave. Because the one who's coming, he didn't do you with power. He'll give you truth. He'll speak to you. He's going to come and live in you and tell you what he hears. And that's it. Amen. Hallelujah. 
And, and that's why Jesus came preaching this message. His first message he ever preached was in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repent literally means this, change your thinking. Really, it means this in the Greek, side with my party. Amen. And you can't get in the kingdom unless you are born again. How are you born again? You must call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. It's not of your own works, lest any man should boast. It's the free gift. He is the sacrifice for humanity's failure to obey God. Our nature is a sin nature, and it's our nature, prior to being born again, was to not obey God's Word. Correct? And so Jesus made the sacrifice for us. He, being blameless, a man who knew no sin, became sin so that we wouldn't have to die in our sin. And so when we receive Jesus, we become the righteousness of God in Christ. We become a new creature in Christ Jesus. So you can't even get in the kingdom unless you are born again. But to be born again is not because you want to get out of hell. To be born again is very clear. We must believe in our heart and confess. That means make a covenant with our mouth. Jesus as not a religious guy, but as a Lord. Supreme in authority. Amen. And this is difficult because we live in a democracy where we have our own opinions, where we choose and pick what we want to do. But in the kingdom, it's not that way. In God's kingdom, what He says is to your advantage, and He wants you to respond to that. In fact, Jesus said this, You tell me you love me, but you don't do what I say. Isn't that right? Isn't that what He said? He says, You're telling me you love me, but you don't do what I say. Find that one, Pastor Brian, for me too. I'll give him chapter and verse on that one. He says, you know, you say you love me, but you don't do what I say. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, I'm not talking about Ten Commandments. I'm not running around talking about Ten Commandments. But you understand, if you'll just walk in the love of God, you'll keep the Ten Commandments. This is an inward man change. And we're going to talk about this dealing with the heart. So, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We saw that God looked at the heart. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, last week, said this. Hallelujah. Do you understand we are ever growing and ever learning? Growing in the things of God. Do you understand there is not a scripture in the Bible that we can't continue to glean more from? That the spirit of truth can't reveal more to us? The worst thing we could ever do is become unteachable. That's the worst thing you could do as a person. Is all of a sudden think you've arrived and you know everything. Because we don't. There's so much that, that the Lord wants to continue to reveal to us truth concerning who He is. He wants to continue to teach us things. Amen. I mean, I grew up in a denominational church, and you know, uh, that message was to be born again, and that was great. Then I went into another church that had another level of truth, and you know what? I didn't abandon that I needed Jesus as Savior. That's truth. But you understand, there was an endowment of power from on high. Amen. And I was able to see that truth. It was clear in the Bible, two or three witnesses without a doubt. And you're thinking, okay. And then from there you begin to see there's authority to a believer that you don't actually have to wait till you get somewhere. You're in something right now. Amen. I mean, if God can get to you to do the greatest miracle on the face of the planet, which is to transfer you. Come on, write this down. Colossians 1.13. You've been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Well, when did that take place? The minute you got born again. Now, you're not physically living in His kingdom in heaven, but you are in an access to it spiritually speaking. Amen, because you've been transferred into it. That's why Paul said we are ambassadors for Christ. Amen. Okay. There's a lot about the Bible that we can we can we need to look at because a lot of times we've been traditionally taught and not really walked through the Word. But I tell you, you stay hooked up. I, I, we'll show you, without a doubt. But the Lord said to Samuel, "Do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature, uh, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as a man see, uh, sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what." The heart. This heart, man, is so important to the Lord. Really, what we're talking about is this inner man, the inner being. You understand, our spirit man, uh, we, the Bible talks about being, it being a sinful nature before Christ, separated from God. For all have what? Sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? And so, every man then needs to be what? Born again, become a new spirit, a new creature in Christ. The old 
passes away, and behold, all things become... I've been crucified with Christ. No longer do I live. Now, we are living, but we're living different. And you know when you receive Jesus as Lord, you're a different person. 1 John 5.13, These things have I written unto you that whoever believes in the Son of God will know that they have eternal life. You knew that the minute you confess Jesus Lord, something's different on the inside. You look at yourself in the mirror, it looks the same. You're going, okay, same guy, wearing the same clothes. That didn't change. But you know something on the inside took place. What? The old passed away. Behold, all things became new. You died spiritually. You were already dead spiritually. That dead spirit man separated from God is gone. And now inside you is a new spirit created in Christ. And then what happens? The Holy Ghost comes and lives on the inside of you. Because the Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Did you find it? John 14, 15. You must say it twice. John 14, 15 and John 14, 21. Yeah, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. 21, he says, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. You understand, it's not good enough just to say you love him. You actually have to do what he says. And you know, God's talking today. God's talking today. And everything he says is in line with his written word. Amen. It's in context to his word, but he's speaking to us. I know he spoke to me about moving to St. Augustine to start Anchor Faith Church. I heard him. He said, it's time to go. Ah. And so from there, I said, okay, Lord, I'll go and go. I'll go. I said, but my pastor, because I was youth pastor at the time, I said, he likes to see, and I want him to understand what you're doing in me. Can you, can you communicate to me some things that, are, that, that you want to see take place in the vision so I can communicate it to my pastor? That way he can pray, because he needs to see it. He, he's not visual, or he's not, uh, I couldn't cast the vision verbally to him and him catch it. He needs to be able to read it and see it. And so sure enough, the Lord gave me some phases concerning what we were going to do down at St. Augustine. And I gave him demographics, a logo at the time that I scrapped, and we got a better logo, which is the one we see now. And, uh, you know, just presented that to him, and it let him see, man, the Lord is talking and doing something in us. And I stepped out on faith and went to St. Augustine. Well, you know, in the course of time, the Lord calls Pastor Brian and I to come back together uh, because we graduated together. And through that, the Lord began to speak to him concerning some things and speak to me concerning some things. And the next thing you know, the Lord said, you come up here and pastor this church on Sunday night and we're going to get it to grow and go on and do what it needs to. And people are going to be positioned. In fact, the Holy Ghost spoke through Pastor Brian that this year, dislocated places would get in place. Man, you want to be in the right place because that's all that matters. Hallelujah. And so there's good news. But the Lord's looking at the heart. He says, I don't see like, man, look, I'm not looking on the outside. There's something going on on the inside of people. And again, I said this last week, Samuel comes in and he goes, man, this must be the guy. What was he doing? He was comparing this guy compared to the last king. Tall, handsome, and firstborn for that matter because the firstborn uh, got double inheritance from dad. So he surely this is the one. He was fixing to anoint him and the Lord said, "Don't, don't touch him. He's not it. Well, now God's got his attention because, again, he started being sight-driven on how to pick the king. He heard the Spirit of God say, go here and get one, but he went to a scene. He went to a scene realm in order to anoint. I want to tell you right now, you can hear the Spirit of God, but get caught in the scene again. You're never at a place to where you're not subject to seen things. Okay? That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary or temporal. The things that are unseen or not seen are eternal. God's Word, which is unseen, it produces faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word shall never pass away. His Word's eternal. And if we'll believe Him at His Word, contrary to what we're seeing, come on, the whole Bible's full of just that. Just that. I mean, God talks to Moses and says, go deliver my people. What are you talking about? I've already been there. I tried it once. I killed a man. You know, they ran me out of town. I can't do this thing, man. I'm just one man. He said, if you'll go in my word and my power, I'll deliver them. And he did it. I mean, he stands up at the Red Sea saying, you're going to see deliverance of the Lord. If you actually read it, the Lord says, why are you crying out to me? He says, raise your arm. He says, the staff had the power. He had anointed that, and he's raised up the staff, and contrary to what should happen, something else happened. 
Why? Because God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. And that water started to part. And we read these stories and get all excited, but that wouldn't happen if a person didn't believe God in His Word. He didn't believe what I see isn't as real as what I just heard. Because what I just heard is fixing to move what I see. Come on, get this now. I mean, what did everybody see when David showed up to give his brother some cheese and crackers at the war? Everybody else, King Saul and the whole army sees this mountain of a man, nine foot, six inches tall, about 600 pounds, standing down there taunting them, saying, you bring your best champion, just we'll fight, and whoever wins, uh, that nation will be a slave to the other nation. That's all. So go ahead and bring them, and would curse them with his God. Well, David shows up, a shepherd boy, shows up and sees what everybody else sees. And But what went off on the inside of this man? He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defied the army of God? Do you understand? He had a word. Had a word from the Lord that he that God was in covenant. And the Lord had already told it. It's been passed down from generation to generation to generation. Because when Moses delivered the Israelites, the Lord on the other side said this, if you'll keep my word. Just read Deuteronomy 28, man. He said, if you'll keep my word, all these blessings will overtake you. You'll be blessed coming in and blessed going out. You'll be the head, not the tail. Amen. God said this. This is good. And so, so David remembers this and says, no, wait a minute now. This nation's in covenant with the Creator. Who does this guy think he is? So he didn't look at the seen, but looked at the unseen. And went to Saul and says, hey, I killed a lion and a bear. This, this mountain of man be no different. You think, and, and what did Saul? Well, Saul slapped, put him, tried to put him back in the scene. He said, David? That man has been a warrior since his youth, and you're just a youth. In essence, he's saying, you are out your mind. Why are you talking to me about going and fighting this guy when this guy, uh, younger than you are right now, has been training to kill people? Man, there ain't no chance for you. But David said, no, I, I can do it. So Saul, again, getting anybody else to show up, says, okay, well... All of our hopes are going to ride on this boy. So he said, you give that man my suit. And so he put on his armor, and he said, man, I can't go out there in this. I ain't tested it. I mean, I feel awkward. He said, let me go out there and do it a different way, a way that I, I, that's been tried and tested with me that me and the Lord in, in certain battles have used. And so he gets him five rocks and a slingshot and walks out there. And what does the scene realm do to him? Laughs at him. Goliath goes, am I, I mean, he's talking to everybody. Am I a dog? I love that. Am I a dog that you're going to send me a stick out here? And it says he cursed him with his gods. And then he says, I am going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off. Now, I'm telling you in the scene realm, it looks like it's going to go that way. I'm going to cut your head off. And the birds are going to eat you. And you know what David said? He said, Goliath, he said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you how? In the name of the Lord. An unseen Lord, for that matter. You don't even see Him. Because I'm telling you, if the Lord had come down and smoking fire, <laughs> you understand? Come down with some lightning, you know how He did on the mountain? I'm telling you right now, that man be shaking at his knees. I mean, the Lord don't even have to come down. He just opened up the earth. He did that with some people. Suck them all down, you know. He'd been like, I'll tell you, gone. He's gone. You understand? But that didn't take place, did it? No. David said, no, you come to me with a sword and a spirit, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And then he says this, and this is so powerful, because this is a man of faith. Man, a man in the unseen, he said, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off. Then he goes bigger than that. He said, then we're going to kill everybody behind you. Because killing you ain't good enough. Because I know how you people are back there. They're going to be trying to come after us, so we go ahead and get rid of them too. And that made Goliath so mad that he would talk back to him. He started running at him. I mean, his, his shield was way bigger than David. He come running at him, and what did David do? Wait on him? No. He charged him. He was that confident. And he slung that slingshot, and you know the power of God got behind that rock. And slapped, sunk it in his forehead, and he fell like a rock. And I love David, because see, David never would have been a good person in the horror movies at all. Because David went up in there and didn't say, oh, he's dead and went on. He took Goliath's own sword and cut his head off and made sure there was a separation that he ain't coming back. We don't want it to be like, oh, he just knocked himself out and he's going to show back up somewhere in a battle. 
No, we're going to separate his head, get that away from him, hold it up and let everybody know he's dead. Come on down, we're going to take care of everybody else. And they did this. The whole Bible's filled with this kind of stuff. God's looking for people who will believe Him in their heart, His Word, and He'll do things miraculous. It didn't stop in the Old Covenant. It went into the New Covenant. It went with Jesus. And it didn't stop with Jesus. It went with His disciples. And it didn't stop with His disciples. It went with people who were just believers. I mean, Paul was not one of his original 12 disciples at all. But most of the New Testament was written by him. Come on now. They were believing God at His Word. And they were doing things. Praise the Lord. Okay? Why? Because when our heart's right. So the Lord says, listen, I need to get people's hearts right so that we can inter- interact and we can do... I can, ha- They can walk in dominion back on the earth. So look at this in, e- in e- uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 11. You getting this tonight? Ezekiel chapter 11, starting in verse 19. says this, And I will give... Uh, them one heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. So he's saying, I'm taking away this heart of stone that can that cannot and will not obey me because it's of the nature of their father, the devil. Is that not what he called them? Uh, Paul penned the phrase, sons of disobedience. We formerly were of the sons of disobedience. We walked according to the flesh. You know, we did our own desires and our own appetites. But God, being rich in His mercy, man, praise God, He delivered us. So He says, listen, I'm going to take this heart of stone out that keeps you from obeying me and walking in love with me, and I'm going to give you a whole new heart. I'm going to give one heart something different in you. Why does He do this? He tells us why in the next verse, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinance and do them. Really, and this is what he's saying. He's saying, so they'll do what I say. Because what I say is life. You see this, Cindy? It's life. I mean, I want them to want to do what I'm saying because what I'm saying is not a benefit to me. It's a benefit to them. God's not trying to rule you and keep you down. He's trying to pull greatness up out you. He's trying to get you to exist in a plane and a level that He originally created you in. Amen. But the world's trying to tell you, no good, you can't get nothing. You can't do nothing great until you go see Him later. But this didn't seem to happen in people who believed Him right here on planet Earth. He said, we rule and reign in this life. So we get this heart of flesh, and that word flesh is not flesh as we see in the New Covenant or those passages of Scripture where it's like, you know, the works of the flesh are, like this is a bad thing. This is, means a heart of flesh. That means one that's soft, pliable, and submissive. Okay? It's not a hard heart that's resistant to the Word, but one that will submit to what God says. One that wants to. So he says, I'm going to give them that. Why? So they'll keep my statutes, keep my ordinance, and do them. Not just hear them, but do them. Because you sh- can't... Listen, what did he say? Don't be hearers of the Word only. Be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deluding or deceiving yourselves. If you hear the Word, but don't ever act on the Word, then you live a deceived life. And that's talking about believers. There are people in all kind of churches that go to church day in, day out. They go there, and they're hearing God's Word, but never apply it one time, never actually act on that Word. And then their lives are, de- are in deception. It says this, then, my, then they will be my people, and they shall be and I shall be their God. Now turn to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. Woo, this is good. Man, this is good. And this is totally in a whole other vein than it was this morning in St. Augustine. Hallelujah. That's the Holy Ghost. Why? Because He knows you need to hear it a way that's best for you. I can tell you right now. You can take these messages and marry them. There's some things that are going to be the same. But, I mean, I've already gone in one whole direction for 15 minutes that I ain't even touching St. Augustine. Isn't that right, Pastor Brian? Hallelujah. God loves you. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 says this, Moreover, I give you a what? Come on. A new heart. Give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So we get a new heart. Amen? A new one. Why? Look what he goes on and says in verse 27. 
I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Why is he putting the spirit in you? To cause you, to cause you, to cause you. Go back to that one, 27, to cause you. That's all right. To cause you. Why? That spirit is the spirit of truth. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he says, but when he comes, that is the spirit of truth. The Holy Ghost is Spirit. I'll put my Spirit of truth within you. Why? So it calls you to walk in my... He's going to teach you how to walk right. He wants to teach us how to walk right, how to obey God in His Word. He wants to say, now this is what God's saying. He's our teacher. He's our counselor. He's our communicator. He's, he bears witness to us what's right and what's truth. So that's why He puts the Spirit in you in this new heart, this new inner man that's in the image of God, then the Holy Ghost comes and He starts talking to you. That's why you don't have to believe everything anybody says. In fact, you don't have to believe anything I say. In fact, I work, I, I'm telling you right now, if you do believe me just because I'm saying it, you're wrong. You need to search the Scripture for yourself after we've talked. Because if I'm saying something, the Holy Ghost saying, yeah, that's good, you need to study that on out. You know why? Because the revelation isn't your revelation until it's your revelation. Because I can tell you all kind of truth, but until you settle it right here on the inside, you're not going to get it to work for you. The Bible says we don't need man to teach us, but we have the Spirit of God. But that doesn't mean you don't need a man, because then God would be a liar when He said in Ephesians, God gave gifts unto men, and He gave some as apostles and pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets. God put a ministry gift in the church to equip the saints for the work of the service. They are teachers there. They are to educate. They are to communicate by the Spirit truths. But you believe it not because they say it, but because the Holy Ghost bears witness that that is a true statement. The day I started searching the Word for myself is the day I changed. Because I'm telling you right now, I was born again at nine. I was raised in a denominational church. And I heard pastors time. And you know what? If they said it okay, that must be it. And I'm going to tell you, some of their gospel was just emails. Good little stories. I remember this one that was uh, within the circles that I was in growing up, that the Lord's a shepherd. And little sheep are out. And if that little sheep won't listen, then the Lord scooped that little sheep up. And he'd take his staff and he would break that sheep's leg. And then he would mend it carefully. I am not lying. And then take that sheep and put it in its cloak. And he'd carry it around. And while it was talking, the sheep's learning the voice of the shepherd. Then after it was healed, he'd put it back down. And then it would listen to the voice. And you know what? Everybody would be like, oh. The Lord breaks us to teach us things and He puts bad things on us to teach us. And that was the theology. If I did that to my kids, if I went over to Brianna right now and I broke her leg in front of you and said, you're going to be all right, y'all would call D DCF on me. you call it child abuse. But you know what you do to explain this away? Do you know what they do to explain this away? Oh, but God's ways are higher than our ways. Listen, God always instructs in word. He says, do what I say. And there's no problem. If there's a problem, it's not because he's doing it as much as you are walking away from his divine protection. Amen. <laughs> I'm telling you. But we, what we do, we start putting things in and we start saying, and I'm saying, right now, man, when I start saying, I need to read this for myself. Then there's things that start going, hmm, hmm. You know, and the Lord kept bringing people to me who had truths and stuff. And I'll tell you, I could find it two or three witnesses. I'm telling you, most of the stuff I'll talk to you about, and when we preach, we preach way more than two or three scriptures and a few emails. I'm telling you, I'll bring you scripture. I mean, how many have we already done tonight? Have you been writing them down? Come on, give me something, Cynthia. Tell me how many we've done already. Eight for sure. You see what I'm saying? Why? Let the Bible interpret itself. I don't have time to pull on your little emotional strings and give you some little cutesy email to try to support a spiritual truth. Let the Bible support itself. Let's be bold to preach the Bible. Amen. Let God be truth and every man be a liar. Amen. So the Lord wants to do something. Why? He puts that spirit in you to cause you to walk, and then He wants you to be careful... That means He wants you to be careful to observe them. That means you have a responsibility to make sure you're doing it. Because He's causing you to understand it so you can, 
Now He wants you to be careful to actually do what you understand. Amen. Let's go on, verse 28 then. Verse 28 says this. He says, You will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers so that you will be my people and I will be your God. And the first part of verse 29 says this, Moreover, I will save you from all your uncleanliness. Uncleanness. Right? A pure heart's clean. Blessed are the what? Pure in heart, for they will they'll see God. So we want a heart pure. And the Lord says, listen, your heart's not pure. So i got to take the old unpure out, the old unclean, and get a pure one in. See, you couldn't do that. It's no works to get you clean. Christ made you clean. And Christ puts a new heart in you, a new spirit man in you, and it puts His Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and makes His abode in, is in you. And the Bible says it bears witness with our spirit that we are children. God, I say this, man, and I'm telling you, it is truth. We've got to get this. You are not a sorry sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. You are saved by grace through faith. Now you are a child of God, a believer. You have the capacity now to believe God at His Word. If you will renew your thinking, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. In fact, if we read this properly, and again, we, we see things and we think, man, we're going we're to fall apart. We're going to be... When God, when you got born again, you became a whole new species of being on the inside. Now, your mind is one place, and we got to get that changed. That's why I said, do not be conformed to this world. That doesn't mean you are conformed to it. It says, do not be conformed, which implies you're in a state of non-conformity. Come on, what is that, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, right? Or is it 12? 12, because 8 is, uh, uh, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore, uh, says, um, uh, be ye, there's, um, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, probably verse 2, by the renewing of your mind. Meaning, you, when you're born again, you're not in it, but if you don't, renew your mind, you'll start conforming. If you don't stay in the Word, then you're going to start acting like you used to. But if you allow the Word, the renewing of your mind, to keep you transformed, keep growing in the will, that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is um, uh, good, acceptable, and perfect. You, you, you're allowing that Word to keep showing you who you are now. It's the mirror. Because you're in Christ now. Then you won't act like the world anymore because you're in this world, but you're not what of it. Okay, with that being said, turn over to Matthew 22. Praise the Lord. Yeah, we've probably done about 15, 16 Scripture right now. Amen. This is how we minister here at Anchor Faith Church. We minister the Word of God. We let the Word interpret itself. Hallelujah. Amen. No itching ear ministry here. And I'm telling you, if you're hungry, man, I'm more than happy to set a meeting with you if there's challenges you have concerning the Word and sit down and go line by line. I mean, I'm dealing with a couple uh, down in uh, St. Augustine and we're going over things concerning the law. How does it fit in to, the, to this new covenant we're in? How does it fit in to the kingdom? Amen. And there's things that we're learning. You know, because some people want to still live according to the law. But we're in a new and better covenant. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I'm just thankful that they're hungry. And they want to grow and they want to come. And let's look and let's examine the Word and not say, well, I'm just going to believe this and I don't care what you believe. See, they, they got out of democracy and they say, you know what, I don't have a choice to believe what I want. I, I, I should and choose to believe what He says. Amen. That changes everything. Matthew 22:33 says this. Hallelujah. And he said to him, look, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With how much of it? See, we're not supposed to give him pieces. 99.9% of your heart is not good enough. Amen? And we think it is because we get Clorox cleanup and it kills 99.9% .9 of all bacteria. Meaning there's that 
0.1% that's killing people. Right? No, the Lord said, with all your heart. The word all in the Greek literally means this, a totality as a complete unit. It means whole. It means complete. It means, means entire. It means this, undivided. Which brings me to this scripture. You've heard it. A house divided against itself cannot... And here's the problem. People give the Lord their heart, in essence. They say, take my heart of stone and I want to take your heart of flesh. I want a new heart. I want your spirit to come and live in me. But now, now that that's happened, I still want to do it the way I think. In essence, they're saying, I just don't want to die and go to hell. So save me from going to hell, but I want to live life on the planet like I want to. Just remember me when I die. Because, you know, when I was little, I, I, I made you Savior. I received you as a sacrifice for my sin. And if you looked at their lifestyle and looked at the way they lived, you couldn't tell if they were born again no more than a man in the moon. And no wonder their life's in shambles. Because they're living divided lives. They may say, they'll may say, oh, I gave them my heart. But their mind, they haven't. Their soul realm, they've not done that. They've not done that. When it says, with all your soul and all your mind, because you, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul said to present your whole spirit, soul, and body. You're a threefold nature man. You really are a spirit. You have a soul. That's your mind. That's your intellect. That's your will. That's your emotions. And then you live in a body. Peter said this was an earthly tent. Paul said, I know of a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. He called it the body, didn't call him himself. The man was the spirit of the man. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse uh, 12 says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce between joint and marrow, that's body, soul and spirit. You know what separates your mind, will, and emotions away from the spirit of God or the spirit of man? It's the Word. Because you understand, we feel a lot of stuff. There's a lot of times I don't feel like doing something, but the Spirit of the Lord says, do this. You don't feel like forgiving sometimes, but we are to forgive. Because it hurts when they hurt you. But you have to put down your hurt and operate by the Spirit and walk according to the Spirit. For those who are sons of God, these are led by the, not their emotions or their feelings. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing hearing from the Word of God. Man, we're all over the place tonight, aren't we? But this is, we're bringing the Word in totality to you. Amen. Let's go on. Another scripture that says this right here is Mark chapter 12, verse 20. It says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So notice this. The Lord wants us in totality. Now that doesn't mean you're called to fivefold ministry, but it means that your day is about God. Amen. So when Jimmy goes to work, when Jimmy goes to work, when your Jimmy goes to work, when your Jimmy goes to work, their desire is to please the Lord and influence people with the kingdom. Their job is not a manager at Red Lobster and your job is not a, a crane operator at a mill. No, what you are is a citizen in the kingdom. You are a child of God. Your work is your faith and you just happen to be at, go to a place where they pay you to influence people for God. Because he gets your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole mind, and all your strength. I mean, people pouring themselves out for their job and, and say, oh, I can't come to church on Sunday. So all their strength obviously don't go to the Lord. Well, Pastor Earl, people have got to work. I have no problem with that. Man don't work, a man don't eat. But you understand this, a man shouldn't labor for the money and not labor for the Lord. The man should say, the reason I'm going there is because there's people that need to hear about the king and I get paid to talk to them about it. I get paid to be a witness. Now, a lot of people in their position say, well, you know, I can't talk like that in my job. Well, you know what? Maybe you need to change jobs or get more creative on how you talk like that. Because they ain't going to wash with the Lord and say, well, why don't you tell them about me? Well, you know, you know, I'd have got fired. The Lord would have said, get fired from me. Go ahead and get persecuted for me and see if I don't promote you then. It's because we're really not loving Him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And see, we've got to identify this because it's out of this heart that all this stuff of God's happening. This is what He's looking at. 
He's not saying, well, guess who was in church today? Well, guess who was in church today? Well, look, guess who's got perfect attendance while they were on the planet? Don't matter if you didn't do anything. See, the Lord, this is how He separates who's godly and who's not. Again, like us, you know what? I, I have a, uh, what I, we have a uh, dress code when we come to Valdosta. You might not know this, but I'm going to tell you what it is so you'll know. On the first and the last Sunday, we dress. On the second and the third, I'll be wearing jeans. So next week, I'll be wearing jeans and a button-up shirt. Why? Because it ain't about clothes, it's about my heart. Because you understand, if I dress like this and I'm a dog on the inside, it don't matter what I look like on the out. Because a lot of religious people are whitewashed tombs. And they have a form of godliness. Amen? Now, because if I dress up like this and I showed them, said, man, look what I look like. All these other people, they looking rough, man. Look at Nikki, man. She got her jeans on, man. She ain't pleasing the Lord. See, now I'm all puffed up in pride. My heart ain't right. And it don't matter what I look like because all of a sudden I look more dressy because you should be dressed up when you go to church. If my heart ain't right, it don't matter how dressed up I am. I mean, there were, listen, there were priests in the Levitical priesthood. Right? Wasn't it Aaron's boys? They had the, the robe, man. They had God's stuff on, but yet they made sacrifices and did little fragrances, little incense burning that was not right, and they died. They looked like it. Everybody's going, oh, look at that, man. Because they wore stuff that says, holy, uh, what, 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 that little medallion, holy unto the Lord. I mean, it was an advertisement. It was a little billboard on his turban. Holy to the Lord. Oh, yeah, holy to the Lord. But yet on the inside, they didn't want to be there, they didn't want to do, want to do their own thing, and it cost them their life. So that's why we have to deal with this heart issue, because you know what? It's out of here that God's looking and examining us. Because if we'll get this realm right, Jimmy, my gosh, man, you will see God. You'll be blessed, man. The Lord will be able to operate in your life and nothing be impossible for you because you'll be able to believe Him. And He'll say, man, that man's heart's pure. That's why He picked David, because He was a man after His own heart. But this is what's so good. This is what gets me so excited, Chuck. Listen, man, David was after God's own heart. We actually can have it. We actually can have it. We can have His heart. He puts in us His heart. We're created in Christ Jesus. Our spirit, man, is in the image of God. And not only this, look, Romans 5, 5. The latter part of this verse, look what it says. It says, hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the what? Love of God has been poured. King James, shed abroad within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. My gosh, listen, you have been given a heart who wants to obey God. Then the Spirit of God lives inside you and speaks to your spirit man and lets you know you're His child. He loves you. He don't want you to lack for anything. He wants to take care of you. And any trial and tribulation you ever go through, because you will in this life, but be a good cheer. Why? Because you're daddy's kid. And then he says, now I'm going to put my very nature, my heart, the way I see things, it's my love. It's my love. And Jesus, in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, says a statement. He says, he says I give you a new commandment. And it's brand new. Why? Because previous it said this in those two scriptures we said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, all your strength. It says the second, because they're asking which is the greatest commandment. And that was the first one. That's the greatest commandment. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus changes it and says, now I'm going to give you a new covenant, new commandment. One that no one's been able to do before, but you're fixing to be able to do it. He says, here's this new commandment. He says, love your neighbor as I loved you. Not as yourself anymore. See, the best you could try to do because you got a heart of stone was at least try to get... Pastor Marcus to treat Pastor Mark the way Pastor Marcus would want to be treated. So he should love Pastor Mark as himself because, you know what, Pastor Mark probably, Pastor Mark probably doesn't want to get cheated on, probably don't want to be stabbed in the back, stolen, you know, all kind of stuff going. So if you treat him that way and Pastor Mark treat him this way, you know what, we can get along pretty good. 
But even then, they fail. Why? Because man is full of selfish ambition, of manipulation, always wanting, you know, that nature is all about themselves. So he says, now I'm going to give you a new one because prior, we, you did the best you could, but I'm fixing to put a new heart in you, and that new heart's going to have a spirit that bears witness with it, and then God's going to put his love in that, and now you can actually love each other like I loved you. And we know how Jesus loved. Ooh, come on now. We know how Jesus loved. And then Jesus goes on and says, Now, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll do what I say. And now you have the capacity to actually believe and obey God. And want to do it. Remember, he said this, The willing and the obedient shall eat the good of the land. Obedience just wasn't enough. You had to be willing. Why? There was this heart connection here. God's trying to identify and connect to your heart, trying to say, Listen, man, I'm putting myself in you. And I'm putting my love in you so that you can respond to people the way I do. And Jesus said, this is a commandment. Why? Because he knows that you're not going to feel. And we said this this morning down in St. Augustine. When we hear this, a new commandment I give you, you understand Jesus wasn't making it a suggestion for you to love one another. He said, love one another as I loved you. He said, this is a new commandment, which means this. Uh, when I was in the military, you understand, there was a commander, which when you're in basic training, it's called a drill sergeant. And the drill sergeant, he comes in, at 4.30 in the morning to wake you up for PT called physical training. Why? To exercise you, amen, before breakfast. Okay? And it doesn't matter what time you went to bed. Okay? So he comes in, and you know what he says? He says, gentlemen, y'all need to wake up, okay? If you feel like it, we got some PT going on on the outside. All right? And then about 9 o'clock, we're going to do some other training. We're going to march down about three miles to here, you know, if you're up to it. And you know what? Uh, later on, you know, around noon, we're going to take in some lunch, you know, and I'm not sure what they're, they're serving, but, you know, if you want some, you know, we'd love for you to get some. That's suggestive. You know, I, I just don't feel... I mean, drill sergeant, uh, private, you you going to get up today? You doing all right? You tired? Well, go ahead and take you another hour. It's all right. Yeah. No. He said, get up! And you know what that command did? It's time to be private. Get up! You know what that told us? That meant it didn't matter how I felt. That command went way past my feelings and moved me to action. And the Lord knew, listen, you living in a society, in a world that is in a fallen state, not how God originally designed it, and there's all kind of bad out there in the scene, and so he says, listen, you're going to get hurt, but I'm not asking you to feel like loving somebody. I'm commanding you, past the way you feel, you're going to love them. Like I loved you. Because Jesus had plenty of time to feel. And did feel. Amen? He said, man, these people follow me around all the time. All they want to do is try to kill me. All they want to do is try to run me down. They're lying about me. I mean, he could have felt bad. He said, I don't care about them. I ain't going to forgive them. No, I ain't going to do that. No, he forgave them. I mean, he's on the cross. And what's he say? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. <laughs> I mean, wow. Talking about love. Yeah, on the cross. I mean, they beaten on him, put a crown of thorns. Why did they put a crown of thorns on him? King. Put a robe on him, beating him, pulling his beard out, prophesied to us, Jesus, who hit you? All the while being quiet. Pilate said, my gosh, aren't you going to say something? Don't you understand they've accused you? There he is quiet. Why? Because he's loving them. Amen. He says, you love them like I love you. Woo, Jesus put up with a lot of stuff. He sure did. He put up with some stuff. And we can do this. Why? Because we have the part. A couple more scriptures and we'll be done. He said this, Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 31. Luke 12, 31 says this, But seek His kingdom. Luke 12, 31 says, But seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. This is the same scripture that's over Matthew 6, 33, but it says, But seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What are these things? It's what the Gentiles seek. The Gentiles are running around worrying about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to wear. And our whole world is about that. What we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, they're worried about it. And he says, take no thought, same. He says, seek me first. If you'll do that, I'll add stuff to you. That's powerful now. But if he said he'll do that, then there's a way we can do this. Amen? There's got to be a way to seek the kingdom. Amen. And he said he'll add it to you. Now listen, he didn't say he'll add it to you after you get out of, when you die. Because the Gentiles are seeking what to eat. 
They need food on planet Earth. What to drink? They need water on planet Earth. What to wear? Man, you need some clothes, trust me, because I don't want you coming to church not wearing any. Right? You're not walking around without clothes on. So you understand, these are not things He adds to you when you get somewhere else. He says, if you'll seek Him first, He'll add those things to you. Amen. Pastor Cheyenne was saying when we were at lunch today, she said, I don't know what's going on with people down here every time I come. They're giving me stuff. Because things are being added. Because you're seeking the Lord. Amen. And you understand, you seek Him, He come. It'll show up. Hallelujah. Because the king takes care of his kids. He goes on and says this, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen how? Gladly. To what? Give you the kingdom. Amen. He goes on and says, Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourself money belts which do not wear out for an unfailing treasure in heaven which no thief comes near nor moth destroys. Go on, verse 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what we got to do is we got to find out our treasure. Because our treasure identify, our heart identifies with our treasure. That treasure means what do we place value on? What are we holding as great value? And you understand, the Lord tried to help us. The Lord's trying to communicate to you what's the greatest value in your life, and it is His kingdom. What is the greatest value? It's Him. He said, I purchase you not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. You won't pray for. You're not your own, the Bible says. He's trying to say, listen, the greatest treasure possession is me. And if you'll stay connected to me, then from there I'll see my word, and my word does not return unto me void. Amen. So our treasure has to be identified with Him because our heart's identified with our treasure. Whatever we consider value, and whatever we consider value is what we'll do. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you know, Chuck, there are people that will get up tomorrow and go to work that don't come to church on Sunday because they're tired. But it's amazing how they can get up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, five days a week, and go to work, but yet can't come to church just twice a week. What are they putting more value in? I mean, Jimmy, have you ever woke up and say, I'm tired, I don't feel like going to work? Oh, I bet. I bet Nikki got that witness too. Baby, I'm tired, I don't feel like going to work. You know what? But what starts talking to him? Well, how are you going to pay your electric bill? And how are you going to pay your water bill? And how are you going to put food on the table for your kids? And how are you going to pay for this car? And how are you going to get clothes? How are you going to... And you know what? You'll push past your feelings and get up. And then we get to the weekend, and what do we say? Well, I'm tired. And I've got to go to work tomorrow. So I'm going to miss church tonight. Pastor, I understand. Well, what you put more value on? You put more value on your job and not the Lord. Because the Lord said, if you'll seek me, I'll add things to you. Which means you won't have to work so hard for things. In fact, God never designed you to work for things, ever. That's a whole change in thinking, man. Whole change in thinking. Amen. Do you know why we can come two and a half hours to Valdosta and love it? Because God said, Come. And you know, we'll be in the office tomorrow. I don't take off on Mondays. Isn't that right, gentlemen? Amen. With a yawn. And I understand. Listen, why? Because the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Why? Because we seek Him. I mean, He adds to us. I mean, and He gets days to us. And I'm telling you, some, some days we work long hours. I mean, 6 o'clock in the morning till we went till 2.30 in the morning one time. Uh, moving stuff, you know. Wow. Hey, got to do kingdom work. Got to take care of things. But then when it's time to come off, they, they take off. They do things. I mean, these two right here got a little baby that was born premature. One pound was even one, one pound what? One pound, 15 ounces. But he's four pounds and what? Four pounds, one ounce. He's like a Hulk up in the little preemie station right now. Growing, drinking his bottle. He's going to be coming home in a couple weeks. Why? And they still doing the work of the Lord. I mean, they're right here. Why? Because they know God got my child. God's the healer. God's taking care of my son. And I'm going to keep doing his work and he's going to take care of my child. Come on, man. And didn't you go away this weekend? And weren't you blessed with some things? Woo, man. People gave to them. They went away for a weekend for their anniversary, right? And then got some things for the baby, added to them. 
Why? Seeking the kingdom. Following God. Why? Because their heart's right. Their treasure is God. And out of that, their heart's connected, and the Lord's looking, examining their hearts, saying, Now that right there, I'm going to get things to them. I'm going to take care of them. Why? Because they're taking care of what I need them to take care of on the earth. Christianity has become self-centered. The kingdom's not self-centered. Christ, Jesus, is Lord and King of the kingdom. He rules and reigns and we submit to Him. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm serving Him. Okay. With that being said, the last scripture tonight is 2 Timothy chapter 1. Woo! I'm starting to preach like I'm down in St. Augustine. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 13 says this. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me. Retain them now. The standard of what? Sound words which you've heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. So we want to retain the words that are in the faith and love in Christ Jesus. Christ meaning the anointed, which is yoke destroying, burden removing power. And Jesus is the word. I'm telling you, you can interchange Jesus and word everywhere. Everywhere. In the beginning was the? Okay. And the word became flesh. What's his name? Jesus. Hebrews says this. Chapter 13, believe it's verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and... Which means if the Word... Because Jesus is the Word. So you can read it this way. The Word is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Which means if the Word worked to have someone healed yesterday, then the Word works to have someone healed today, and the Word works to have someone healed in the future. Amen. The Word works. So we want to retain sound words, which are what? We heard from Paul. Paul's talking to Timothy that you heard from me. And what did Paul preach, man? (laughs) You'll be surprised. He preached the kingdom and things concerning Christ. He sure did. Read Acts. Just go read Acts today. Amen. He preached it. He said, heard from me in the faith, in the faith. Not faith, but in the faith. That the faith is the word of the kingdom. In the faith and love. Why? Because love is the foundation of the kingdom. It is what God is. Because First John, I believe it's 3, 8. Check this for me, Pastor Brian. First John 3, it says, God is love. Not that he knows it, but he is it. And God and his love is a God love, which is outlined in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Man, we are flying through the Bible tonight. Y'all draw the whole Bible out of me every time I come here. Is it John 3, 4, 8? John 4, 8, right there. And, and one who does not love does not know God, for God, he is. All right. So he says then in verse 14, guard. Guard what? These sound words that are in the faith and love in Christ are the anointed word of God. Guard, how? Through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. That means the Holy Ghost is saying, listen, this is what's truth and this is what's not. You guard it. He's letting us know what to guard. Why? 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 The treasure which has been entrusted to you. The treasure is God's Word in us. And if we'll get God's Word in us, then that's the treasure. And if we value His Word the most, then our heart will be assigned to the Word and out of that heart, we'll see God. You'll see God. Why? Because your heart's all about doing His Word. I want to keep His Word. I want to do whatever He says. I want to obey Him. I want to do what He says. 